Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Michaela Felisiak, partner at Advanced Biden in Germany. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are connecting with our member in Belgium. Joining us on the program today is Carter Arts, Council at Lydian. Belgium recently announced a new labor deal aimed at providing more flexibility for employees and employers as well, and ensuring more people have access to a workable job so they can participate in the labor market. Kato will be sharing her insights about this new agreement, some recent developments since it was reached a few weeks ago, and considerations on the future of labor and employment matters in Belgium. Kato, you are usually on this side of the microphone hosting ELA's podcast. So it's very nice having you as a guest today and sharing these interesting new developments in your jurisdiction. Welcome to the program, Kato. How are you doing today? Thank you. Very good. How are you? Very good as well. I think we have a very hot topic today, so let's jump in right away. What is the labor deal, Kato? Well, the labor deal, as you mentioned, is a decision taken by the Belgian federal government on February 15th of this year and contains 35 measures regarding the labor market. In summary, the aim of this deal is to modernize the Belgian labor law when it comes to working time, flexibility for the employee and night work. And it also wants to enable the government's ambition to achieve an employment rate of at least 80% by 2030. The 35 measures can be summarized into seven topics. The first one is more flexibility for employees. And this flexibility includes, for instance, that at the request of the employee, the employee can work four days instead of five days per week. Another example is a biweekly work schedule where employees can choose to work less one week and then compensate this by working more the other week. And this is mainly intended for single parents or divorced parents who co-parent and can then, as a result, work more during the week their children are with the other parent and work less during the week the children are with them. And then also a third measure in this part of the deal is a variable part-time working schedules that normally need to be announced by the employer five days in advance will now need to be announced to the employee seven days in advance, which, of course, also allows the employees to better plan and balance their work and private life. And then the second pillar is the right to disconnect, which should ensure the right for employees to be unreachable for colleagues and their employer during a certain time. And this measure, too, should enable employees to better balance their work and their private life and should contribute to the employee's mental health and well-being. The third aspect of the labor deal regards e-commerce, which is, of course, also in Belgium and especially due to the pandemic booming business. And Belgian labor law is quite rigid with regard to working time regulations, which resulted in quite inflexible environment for the e-commerce business and a competitive disadvantage for companies operating in Belgium as opposed to companies operating in our neighboring countries. Now, the labor deal tries to facilitate more flexible working arrangements by, on the one hand, allowing a company level collective bargaining agreement regarding night work in the e-commerce sector to be included with just one trade union. And then, on the other hand, installing the possibility for a temporary experiment to allow night work. And then the fourth set of measures relates to the gig economy. The fifth one relates to the so-called activating policy when dismissing employees which basically means that employees will be incentivized and helped to find a new job during their notice period. And this will be ensured by so-called transition processes, allowing employees to be hired out to a new employer during their notice period and specific measures to increase the employee's employability, for instance, 
by offering courses during lengthy notice periods. I don't know if you noticed, Michaela, but notice periods under Belgian law are determined by law and they depend on the employee's seniority with the company. And depending on when the employee entered into service, these notice periods can be quite long. And it looks like our government really wants to use this time more efficiently to prepare the employee for a new job with another employer. And then a sixth component of the labor deal includes measures in relation to lifelong learning. Companies employing over 20 employees will have to draft a yearly training plan, and each individual employee will be entitled to five training days per year as of 2024. And then the last part of the labor deal wants to enshrine more diversity on the Belgian labor market. And really, the Federal Public Service of Work will start monitoring the diversity per sector. And if there is a significant difference between a particular company and the sector, that company will have to draw up a diversity action plan. Wow, impressive. Let's focus on the first measure you mentioned, the four-day work week. Working from Monday to Thursday and starting the long weekend on Friday sounds so nice. And I really like the idea. You mentioned that employees in Belgium will be able to ask for a four-day work week. Is this mandatory? No, the employer will be able to deny the request. So just to be clear, the four-day work week in this context does not mean that an employee would start working part-time. Of course, this possibility of working part-time already existed under Belgian law, and that remains as, as it is. But what is meant here is that employees who work full-time can request their employer to work those full-time hours, but spread them over four days instead of five days per week. So on a daily basis, this means the employee would be able to work up to nine and a half hours per day if the possibility is provided for in the work rules of the company, or even up to 10 hours a day if this possibility is provided for in a collective bargaining agreement. And by working more during the four days per week, the employee will free up the fifth day to devote it to the employee's private life. And again, this measure is intended to enable employees to adapt their work schedules to their private needs or desires. And as I said, the employer will be able to refuse this request but must justify the refusal. It's not yet clear what shape and form this right of refusal will take, but it seems logical to expect that business needs will be considered as a good reason to deny the request. I understand. So I think the four-day work week has also in Germany many supporters, and I'm sure that companies can't ignore this wish for much longer. But like you, you mentioned, Kato, in Germany, the inflexible work time law makes it very difficult. But enough about Germany, back to Belgium. Can you talk about another measure you mentioned? Can you tell me more about the right to disconnect? Sure. Now, first of all, unlike what some people think, this right to disconnect did not exist until today. In 2017, we did have a law introducing the concept into the Belgian legislation, but there was no actual right to claim it for employees. So the legislation back then merely put in place a possibility to put this topic on the agenda of the Health and Safety Committee and to discuss a possibility to introduce the right to disconnect within the company. But if the employer and the employee representatives did not come to an agreement, there was no further follow-up or rights of the employee. And that now changes. The labor deal now imposes the obligation for companies employing over 20 employees to conclude a company-level bargaining agreement on arrangements regarding the employee's right to disconnect. Employers will have time for this until the 1st of January 2023, but the sectors and the National Labor Council could also take the initiative to conclude a collective bargaining agreement before that time, in which case the obligation would apply for the entire sector or even for the entire territory of Belgium if it's a CBA adopted by the, by the National Labor Council. I see. So that's also a very interesting aspect 
because we have actually the, the same problem here in Germany. What is the experiment in the e-commerce about? Well, that's actually a quite interesting one, I believe. To my knowledge, I think it's the first time that employers can actually experiment with legislation that does not really exist, just to give some practical feedback, basically, to our legislator to see whether it, imposing such new rules would be a good idea and would have beneficial results in the field. So with this experiment, it will be possible for employers in the e-commerce sector to introduce night work between 8 p.m. and midnight in the company without the trade union's approval, be it under certain, certain conditions. So the experiment, first of all, is voluntary, which means employees can be asked to participate in the experiment and perform night work on a voluntary basis only. The night work cannot be imposed. And secondly, the experiment is limited in time and cannot exceed a duration of 18 months. So I'm really curious to see how many companies will make use of this possibility and how much success it will have, taking into account especially that it's on a voluntary basis and employees cannot be forced to enter into the experiment. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you should update our listeners how the developments are going. Let's jump into the gig economy. We recently did a podcast about the gig economy, which is also a very hot topic in Europe. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. So I'm curious, does the labor deal also include something on the gig economy? Yes, for sure. Also in Belgium, as you mentioned, we have had and are still having a lot of debate on the status of gig economy workers and whether or not they qualify as employees or self-employed persons. We even had some recent case law where delivery drivers were confirmed to be self-employed, which was actually quite surprising for many. Many had expected them to be employees, but the opposite was decided by the court. And so as a result, the labor deal also focuses on the gig economy and, and intends to introduce a list of eight specific criteria to determine whether a gig economy worker is an employee or a self-employed person. A legal and rebuttable presumption will be linked to these criteria, which will include, for instance, whether the gig worker is required to work for a certain platform on an exclusive basis or not. And all of this might sound familiar to listeners from Europe because this measure is simply inspired by the draft European Directive with which the European Commission wants to create more certainty for platform workers and make sure they are entitled to certain terms and conditions of employment, such as guaranteed pay during sickness and vacation. The draft directive also speaks about a rebuttable legal presumption, as, as is now the case in the, the labor deal in Belgium. And it also imposes specific criteria, five in this case, not eight, stating that if two out of the five criteria are met, there will be a presumption of an employment contract. And in the directive, the criteria are whether or not the platform decides on the platform's work remuneration, whether or not the platform imposes certain dress codes or codes of conduct, whether or not the platform monitors the work, whether the worker is free to decide on their own working time, and lastly, whether the platform worker has any freedom to build up a client base or work for another platform. So all of that is really linked to what, what is happening elsewhere in Europe. But it's, it's striking that the labor deal is also focusing on that particular part. And so in Belgium, it, it also imposes the obligation for employers in the gig economy, for instance, to provide in a mandatory occupational accident insurance for all gig economy workers, which is something that is typical for Belgium. But you can see the um, evolution there in many countries where simply the aim of the legislator is to try and create a more sustainable, well, more sustainable working conditions for platform workers. So. One could summarize that the labor deal has many various measures in relation to different economies. And like we mentioned at the beginning, that the aim is to have more flexibility in the daily work life balance and in the daily work. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think it's the same in Germany. There are many laws that exist or have been existing for years now that might not be entirely adopted or adapted to what is currently happening in the in the labor market. And that's exactly what this labor deal tries to accommodate. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure many listeners from Germany are curious to see how it's it's going in, in Belgium. So that brings me to my last question. When will all of this enter into force? Well, it is uncertain yet when all of this will enter into force. The proposal will first be submitted with the National Labor Council, the Council of State, and then have to be approved in Parliament. That's just a normal legislative process in Belgium. And then the texts will be issued, which will undoubtedly shed further light on the exact ins and outs of this new deal. For instance, with regard to the right of refusal for the employer in relation to the four-day work week. We will for sure, of course, monitor this closely. And perhaps, Michaela, we can record another podcast about this topic when more news is available. This would be awesome. And maybe then we can compare other countries that did the same, like Belgium. Kato, this has been a very interesting discussion. Please join us again to update our listeners on any new developments in Belgium. Like you said, I'm sure many listeners are monitoring how everything goes. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. If you would like to connect with Kato, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. Also search the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the world. I'm Michaela Felisiak. Thanks for listening.